You're listening to IoT Leaders, a podcast from SI that shares real IoT stories from the field about digital transformation swings and misses, lessons learned, and innovation strategies that work. In each episode, you'll hear our conversations with top digitization leaders on how IoT is changing the world for the better. Let IoT Leaders be your guide to IoT, digital transformation, and innovation. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the IoT Leaders Podcast with me, your host, Nick Earl, CEO of SI. On today's podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Andreas Hegler, who is the VP of IoT at Talis. Andreas, welcome. Nick, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Now, tell us a little bit about your role at Talis. What does VP of IoT really mean? Yeah, so I'm running the IoT business inside Talis, and I've been doing that for quite a while. Maybe a bit of background uh, to who we are. So originally, our business is stemming from the very old days at Siemens uh, that decided to divest from communications. Then it became Centurion, which is still our, our trademark, our brand. And uh, we were acquired by Gemalto. So many, most people probably know us by Yeah, by I was going to say, they probably know Gemalto more, I guess. It was a fairly recent, was the Talis acquisition relatively recent? Uh, we are Thales since uh, April of last year. Okay. So yeah, fairly recent. And yeah. Uh, yeah, but now we are transforming the business. And for myself, I've been running the, the product marketing. I was the portfolio manager for a long time. Then I became sales. So I know the light side and dark side of the business. And uh, <laughs> now I'm running the whole thing. <laughs> I won't ask you to. I won't ask you to define which one's light and which one's dark. We'll carry on because <laughs> we'll have a mixture of engineers and salespeople on the listening to the podcast. But yeah. Technology is always something that you can agree on, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and over the years, uh, we started from a purely uh, cellular modem business and we have evolved uh, with the acquisition by, by Gemato. We got access to SIM technology and, and the SIM management and, of course, all the aspects of uh, security to bring trust to the ecosystem. And, yeah, today uh, we, we tie that together with all the elements of uh, industry that Thales is serving making it a quite competitive, appealing setup for the industrial IoT. So before we dive in with the first point that I want to talk about, which is all to do with how we got our predictions so wrong in in IoT. But before I get there, we asked you to be our first guest on our podcast. So congratulations, but also because, you know, Talis is such a huge player. And just in case there's anybody out there who doesn't actually understand what a big player you are, in IoT, I mean, if you just take, for instance, your module or your or SIM card business, can you give us some numbers uh, on a global basis, just for our listeners to uh, realize just how big a player and how credible a player you are in this space? Yeah, I think the the number that resonates best is that we have like more than 200 million devices in the field out there that are connected using our technology. That is for the cellular modems. And, and then when you think about the devices that are relying on Gemalto SIM technology, that's in the billions. Uh, of course, it includes the cell phones and, and everything else uh, that, that uses SIM cards, not only industrial IoT devices. But uh, we have a fairly strong footprint in the industry, yeah, and uh, we know. I think we know what we are doing. <laughs> I, there's a, yeah, I think that's called German understatement. Fairly strong. <laughs> billions will do. So, talking of billions, let, let's dive in here. And and this is the uh, mea culpa side uh, from the IT industry to the users. 
And I must admit, I played a role in this. So let's go wind the clock back. In 2011, many people, and I was at Cisco at that time, and hmm. uh, but not just Cisco, but Ericsson and many others, we confidently predicted by 2020, there'd be 50 billion things connected. And, you know, we, we weren't talking about cell phones. We, we were talking about things. And here we are, 2020, and the results are in, and it's 11, uh, 11 billion. And that's a hell of a miss. And, okay, you know, the IT industry often misses forecasts, mainly overestimates, but not normally by that amount. So you've been involved in this area, you're a big player in this area, you've been involved for many years. What's your take on, on how collectively, why, did, why have we not got to 50 billion? Because clearly the potential, everybody gets the potential of IoT. So, so what went wrong? So first of all, I would say you weren't wrong, except for the timing. Right. Uh, I strongly believe in the 50 billion and they, they will soon be reached. Uh, what we saw is that um, especially the, the cellular space is a very complex ecosystem because you need to have a good lineup of, of several parties that contribute to a successful IoT solution. And uh, we were actually by those days, if you remember well, in 2011, we were still speaking about uh, M2M, machine to machine. It was not called VIoT as of yet. And machine to machine meant we were operating closed systems. So we were, we were enabling individual use cases. And uh, the acceleration started uh, with, the, with the mention of, of IoT, where we are now connecting subsystems to what is the Internet of Things. But with the emergence of the Internet of Things, uh, new aspects did arise uh, that the industry didn't pay enough attention in the early days, which is probably also security because the moment you go from a point-to-point -point, single party to a multi-party system, uh, there's a lot of other aspects that you need to consider. And then another, say, slowdown of the ecosystem is, is the regional fragmentation. We had, we had a lot of players that were actually working on, on distributed applications in various geographies with different regulations that apply, different mobile network operators to support their business, different requirements in terms of cellular technology, sunsetting one technology here, another one rolling out there, and, and then a lot of the momentum got lost into the exchange of technology by migrating applications from 2G to 3G, where you would otherwise just continue to roll out based on new technologies. So what we saw is a, is a lot of fragmentation, technical hurdles to be worked, security aspects, as I mentioned, fragmented mobile network operator landscape uh, with, with limited global offerings. And yeah, then, then last not least, a lack of experience where, where the community started on a do-it-yourself. And in these days, we actually also saw the emergence of, uh, of public cloud infrastructure uh, that gained a lot of momentum, but it forced the industry to readjust again and move their otherwise proprietary applications into public cloud infrastructure. So all that uh, took more time than probably initially anticipated. And, and this is why we didn't see the 50 billion in 2020, but now as we the will. market getting to there we will definitely yeah you, you know i I've, I've been in and around uh, it it's a confession time now i i've been in and around it for um 40 years and if i put my 
myself in the shoes of the user, I guess it's small consolation when we talk about all the fragmentation and the complexity. And, you know, you, you could almost make the case of the user saying, guys, you know, why, why can't you get this complexity out as, 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 a, as an ecosystem? Um, why can't you get interoperability? Why can't you get standards? And, and my own view on, on it is that, in particular with regard to IoT, I mean, first of all, all technologies start off as proprietary because VCs fund technologies and they compete with each other. And then ultimately you get the inflection point when, when you get interoperability and de facto standards occur. So this is a very well-trodden path and it hasn't happened yet in IoT, which is essentially a summary of what you just said. But one of the reasons why it hasn't happened yet is that we've been, is that many of the customers we have, you know, as SI, we have 2000 IoT customers. And many of them, when they come to us, it's their first IoT project. And they think that, it, you know, their, their job is, you know, to distribute food or to do healthcare devices or to do EV chargers. So they're not module device connectivity specialists. And there's a, a feeling that, well, you know, I already have ubiquitous connectivity. I mean, I have a mobile phone and, and it seems to work. And, it, you know, surely it's just an extension of that. It's a piece of electronics with a you know, a modem in and a, perhaps a screen or a SIM card. But actually, clearly, it, it, it wasn't like that. There was way more fragmentation. I mean, the mobile phone market, you have like seven or eight big uh, providers. You don't switch the networks as much. You can deal with downtime connectivity, gaps in the connectivity. And so what we actually realized that building from a just a straightforward consumer base, it wasn't like that. IoT was like starting again. In, particularly yes, right. on the devices side, and, and you know, and, and and for our listeners, that's why uh, between the two of us, and if we can do a quick advertorial here, that's why we created the Intelligent Cloud Connect offering, wasn't it? Because from your point of view, you have the modules, yes. the Centurion range, and from our point of view, we have the ubiquitous connectivity and the and the native hyperscale cloud connection, and maybe just so listeners can have some idea, a brief overview of. of to solve these these issues of friction and complexity, we, we actually tried to really simplify things with the first zero touch connectivity offerings in the market. Maybe yes. maybe it's a chance for the quick advertorial on, on what we did. Yeah, so I, I once said in an interview, I said, my, my mission is to cut through the complexity of the IoT. And uh, even a friend of mine at ARM, he said, hey, can I use that quote? Because it describes it really well. Our mission is to, to simplify the IoT because we will see the volume growth only once it's easy to adopt by, by people who are not specialists in our space. And, and that's uh, the justification of our existence that what we are here for. So, and, and yeah, working, working with SI, it's, it's just bringing two parties together that are extremely complementary in that space. So the ubiquitous connectivity, as, as you mentioned, for us on the hardware side and, and to have it pre-integrated in a cloud offering, those are the three elements that every IoT application needs. And uh, yeah, if you ask me personally, being part of uh, Extremalto and Autales, security is always the other aspect yeah. uh, that is horizontally needed in any type of application, be it medical, be it track and trace, uh, be it public safety, to different degrees, but that's, that's also another element. And having, having that either solved out of the box, which is uh, what, we, what we have in, in our terminal that we are promoting together that is integrated into the AWS cloud and, and also, also your platform, 
that is a, a quick starter to anybody who wants to go IoT and wants to have all problems solved upfront. Or then the building blocks that, that go into that solution that can be uh, integrated in different applications. That's really our contribution to the reduction of complexity in the space. Okay, so it sounds like uh, we've made progress as an industry and between our two companies, we've, we've, we've made some progress on reducing complexity, certainly at the module layer, uh, having ubiquitous global connectivity. It just connects out of the box. You don't need to think about it. You can connect anywhere, any square meter of land. Magically. Uh, yeah, allegedly, uh, yeah. Well, co well, the underlying complex uh, mobile network operated landscape, as you point out, is, 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 uh, is quite a complex changing beast. But also this idea of security, where if you can actually store the security certificate in the module, then what will happen is you can use the hyperscale cloud guys for your policy management. I mean, that's one of the things Correct. AWS bring is centralized policy management with deployment mm -hmm. to the edge around things like anomaly detection behavior. So it's really a, a three-way cooperation with, with um, uh, Talus SI and AWS. So, so given that, maybe I ask you the question, which typical use cases and customer segments do you market to? Because there's not just, you're not just, you're not selling just to end users or just to people who build products. You, you have different, from your point of view, the definition of customer is quite a few different segments, isn't it? Different needs. I, yeah, I sometimes refer to it as a zoo where you have uh, everything from fish to elephant and birds. And uh, that's also how IoT <laughs> applications are. Very yeah. diverse, yeah. With, very, with very different requirements. So, right? so what's uh, in the zoo? <laughs> <laughs> what's in the zoo? Yeah. So a big element for us is the automotive space, and, yeah. and that's a very well-established vertical, and, and so is also smart energy. And here is where we see the largest adoption of IoT today. But then there are, there are other areas. So what we see as an emerging strong market is the e-health right now. So great momentum right. here. Particularly and at the moment, of course. Particularly in the moment. So when we, yeah. when we saw that uh, during the COVID days, other business did suspend, the e-health just went through the roof. It was, yeah. an, was an incredible performance this year. And, and uh, that one is, uh, is here to last. Also safety, home alarming, also driven by, by COVID. You will be surprised, but uh, you see that uh, as people stay home, you would say, okay, nobody can break into the home, but people use a lot of time to refurbish their places. And uh, adding security, personal security to homes uh, has been a trend in this year that will also continue. Agriculture just starting now, yeah. To, yeah. To Especially increase. particularly with the when you saw the ubiquitous connectivity, because the the, the mobile networks or, or cell, consumer cellular is uh, the, the the cell towers are placed near where the people are. So when people say they have 90, 95 percent coverage, it's coverage of people. But, mm -hmm. but the real question to ask is, you know, what do you have coverage by square foot of planet Earth, of land? And actually, agriculture, of course, by definition, is where the people aren't. And so that's Correct. where ubiquitous connectivity is uh, particularly important. And, and here, we, here we saw people experimenting with uh, license-free technology. Right. And, you know, it's at some point, if you want a certain uh, service level agreement, a certain quality level of your, of your IoT application, then you will soon realize that uh, cellular is the best technology that you yeah. can have. Yeah. yeah. Not because some saying, of the, other, the others, others are, are relevant, are, but they are they're lower cost, um, yeah. but, but not as high quality. I'll tell you an area that we've seen, uh, you talked about healthcare, agriculture, uh, others, 
An area that we've seen, um, which I believe is also being accelerated by COVID, is actually smart vending. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, mm, correct, yeah. I mean, one of our customers is uh, Costa Express, which is part of the Costa coffee cha chain, now, now bought by uh, Coca-Cola. But Costa have a vending machine, which is one square meter footprint, which has 90 sensors inside it. And they call it the barista without a beard. And, and the reason they call it that is that it delivers a highly personalized experience like a barista. You walk into your local store. Hey, Andreas, how are you? Do you want your normal cappuccino, whatever, um, medium? Uh, but actually, it does it through the machine. You identify yourself uh, with your QR code to get your loyalty points, and then it knows who you are, and so it can personalize the experience. But mm -hmm. what's interesting about it is a disruptive business model. Um, it not only delivers you a great cup of coffee, but in that one-meter footprint, they don't have any stores. You won't find a Costa machine in a Costa store. You'll find it in a, a BP garage or a convenience mm -hmm. store. Or, and so they can enter a country within 24 hours, put machines in, plug them in, start uh, serving coffee, selling coffee, but they're not paying for the square footage and they're not paying for the, you know, they're not topping up the milk or topping up the coffee. Somebody else is doing it because it's inside somebody's store. So what you get there is, is a new form of retail, smart retail, which actually is disruptive because, you know, in this case versus Starbucks, you know, it's not about putting a, st a physical store on every street corner. It's about having a point of presence or a, a smart retail machine all over the place in other people's outlets or in a hotel room or whatever. And so I believe I believe that what's happening during COVID is a lot of disruptive business models are really being accelerated. I totally subscribe to that. And uh, what you just mentioned is probably only the beginning in, in, in two aspects. So we are we are very big in the in the POS, the point of sale mm -hmm. business as well. And we are working with our partners there on very innovative solutions uh, that involve biometrics as in, in facial recognition or iris yeah. recognition, iris scan or fingerprint. Those are technologies that, that we also own that we have in our portfolio as we secure the border crossings around the world. And, and to combine that into cellular, you open up a whole lot of new possibilities to know your customer much better and also to, to do transactions contactless. That's the one aspect. And the other aspect that I wanted to mention is um, we have we have not uh, touched upon the as a service type of business models. Yeah. Because what we see today is uh, that the traditional sell and forget business that, that many companies pursued in the past is transforming into more hybrid models. Uh, the one is, that you mentioned today, you don't own the shop floor. You have a, solu have a solution or service that you're offering and, and you can... You can also let the one who gives you the real estate participate your business on a success basis. So either hybrid models or completely as a service oriented where the hardware, the initial investment completely goes away and transforms into a subscription over the life cycle. So you could even think of smart energy that uh, becomes a complete subscription model or yeah, my famous Absolutely. example is the connected toothbrush. Where you where you define a, a price that uh, that brushing teeth is worth you for for a year, and and then under that framework you get always uh, replacement brushes and so on, and you get hints about uh, how well you brush your teeth, and you can be part come part of a brushing community, and you can share the data with your dentist, and 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 you know, and I think 
sounds crazy today, but uh, but that's the future of the Internet of Things. And, and then we are in a multi-connected ecosystem where if you take the toothbrush again, such a good example because everybody has one, I hope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you get automated uh, replacement uh, for your brushes. You can exchange yeah. the data with your dentist uh, and, and uh, the company producing the toothbrush learns so much about the yeah. customer needs that it can continuously improve their products. So what, what, what you're saying, and, and, and there is a but here, is that when we talk about digitization of business processes, next generation business processes, and I'm a great believer that we're seeing acceleration now, like we've never seen before. We're really talking about products becoming services or information about how a product is being used is more valuable than the product itself. So CapEx goes to OpEx, so, it, you know, data is the new oil, whichever one way you're talking about it, it's, it's about the experience. And the product is just a way of delivering the experience. But I just want to put the challenge on the table. You know, I was at uh, Cisco, as you know, for uh, many years, I ended up uh, running the cloud program for the company. And, and it was all about, in those days, trying to persuade people that, you know, the hardware is used to be hugely important, but with cloud, you just need a browser or a laptop or even a cell phone. And you don't need to think about servers anymore because it's all in the cloud. And everyone started thinking, oh, you know, maybe Mark Andreessen was right. Software is going to eat hardware. And, you know, it's uh, the end of hardware. There's just going to be five big, huge server farms in the world in the dark with red lights. Uh, and suddenly all this hardware is going to go away. Uh, but the world we've just described is actually where a world where hardware is, is hugely important again. I mean, hardware actually is the most important thing you 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 build an experience with hardware but here's the challenge if, if all these companies that are making products they all want to make turn products into services they don't know anything about hardware now it's not like i don't know anything about hardware when i wanted my mobile phone i just bought a mobile phone i didn't have to design my mobile phone but now you're talking about the costa coffee machine or the intelligent toothbrush or the eb charger or the, whatever it is Suddenly, as a user, I've got to think about designing a piece of hardware. It seems to be that we've suddenly gone 180 degrees, and suddenly we're asking people to solve a problem they didn't even, they thought they'd left behind them. Have we just created another barrier to IoT? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't really think so. But um, I, I couldn't I couldn't have explained it any better than than you did. So the business models of tomorrow they they leverage data and and tra are transactional. But but to get to there, there's a piece of hardware needed. And we sometimes people say, hey, hardware is not sexy. I'm I'm okay with that. But uh, we love to solve the problem. I, I take it even a level further. I always compare our business to plumbing, right? So. Is, is plumbing an exciting thing? Probably not. But what if plumbing doesn't work well? What, what if your plumber has done something wrong in your house? Yeah. See, and, and, and that's exactly the problem. And we have seen so many of our customers or prospects, sometimes only prospects, they didn't become a customer eventually because their business models failed uh, as they- Because of this, exactly. Yeah, and in, in, our, in our, I said, mentioned we have 2000 customers. When they come to us, 80% of people, when they first come to us, come to us because they had a previous attempt at doing IoT and mm -hmm. failed. And 80% of the reasons that they failed were hardware reasons. 
So, well, grateful, so, grateful customers are the best customers on the world. <laughs> <laughs> Once you know what not to do, you need some help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and it's uh, yeah, we, we have also seen that uh, that customers went away and said we venture into something new. We can do this better by ourselves, and and then came back and and they are very happy and loyal customers now. So. It's really a couple of things that come to my mind immediately. So the one thing is in our space, typically we are dealing with remote assets and remote asset. That's, that's the biggest difference to a smartphone, because if, if your smartphone doesn't work, you reset it, uh, you switch it off and on and, and it works again. Yeah. But that coffee machine that you mentioned that is sitting at a BP station somewhere in a, in a country where you have no service set up it has to function. Otherwise your business model doesn't work. And then, then there's no revenue stream and uh, then there is no customer satisfaction. Yeah. And then the whole thing doesn't work. So so it's, it's the reliability aspect that we're taking care of. And the second point is, and, and looking at you, I mean, if you have a business model that involves different types of countries and you yeah. want to have ubiquitous global connectivity, you can try to set that up by yourself. Fine. Or take your long time and, and then the, the landscape will continue to change and evolve. And, and you better make sure that you keep pace with that and that you update all your agreements and so on and yep. so forth. Or you talk to a specialist who, who is doing that uh, for a living, right? So we do the hardware, you do the ubiquitous connectivity. Yeah, that's what we, I mean, you, you described our value proposition. That, and that's why they come to us the second time around, because they thought it was easy. They then found themselves managing 20 mobile networks and thinking about 2G shutoff and 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 uh, battery preservation for devices. And eventually people say, you know what, it's just too complicated. I, I, I want to sell coffee. I, I don't want to be a hardware company. Exactly. <laughs> and, and maybe maybe that's a way we can sort of draw, draw it to conclusion and then say, okay, so this is interesting. We've come full circle. We've now realized that hardware is cool again. Um, but so everything goes around in a circle in life. We all know that. So now hardware is cool again and important. And actually, we also now realize why it's called hardware, because it's hard. Um, so <laughs> uh, it is hard. But if you get it right, you can deliver phenomenal experience. If you deliver phenomenal experience, that's the way you compete in the new normal. So let's finish by asking each other to, to name one customer or partner who uh, you believe is sort of innovative in this space. And, and actually, I, I've got a, a second reason for asking it. It's, it's a series of podcasts. Uh, and it's almost like asking you, well, who should we approach to talk about this? Because I think this whole area of how do you create innovative hardware when you know nothing about hardware? How do you create an ex a hardware-driven experience when you have no intention of ever understanding hardware? I think that's worth a podcast on its own. So do, do you have a, a, a company that you work with that, that you see is really innovative in terms of creating experiences for customers? Because that's really that's what people really want. They want to create an experience. It just happens to be delivered by hardware. Yeah, we have plenty of partners, of course. But if I would highlight one uh, for this podcast, then it's probably Sigma Connectivity in Sweden. Because it's a, it's a company and a partner to us that's been uh, reinventing itself over and over again. And they are extremely professional in their help. They think like, like we think, you know, they, they believe in the longevity aspect, uh, into the reliability aspect, and that it's better to invest brain power and energy and efforts in the beginning 
in order then to enjoy a long and uh, successful business journey afterwards. So the reason why I'm also recommending them is because we've been working together. We've been together hand-holding a lot of customers in that space and it's, it's always been successful. So if you cannot rely on a, on a standard solution that we are offering out of the box and, and you want to go to the next level and you want to break it into the individual pieces and, and make it fit your application, then that's certainly a partner that okay. I can warmly recommend. Yeah. Okay, and that's great. And I, I, you know what, I'm going to reciprocate with, as you've used a Swedish example, I'm going to use a Swedish example. And this is because we, we do end user projects and, and, and I'm going to give one of my uh, favorite projects, which always makes people smile when I, when I say, would you believe, would you believe that there's such a thing as an uh, IoT enabled nappy, um, or as our American friends would call it, a diaper? And everybody immediately thinks of something else, which this isn't it. It's not measuring. Uh, what it's doing is it's actually for the uh, care home business. Uh, so Essity is the world's second largest paper company. They're based in Gothenburg in Sweden. And uh, they're number two to Pampers worldwide. And this is the uh, adult incontinence market. So people in care homes who, one of the interesting stats that is that very few people die in care homes. They die in hospital. One of the most common reasons for going to hospital is because you, you get ill and the most common thing that you, you get is a water infection. So in other words, a, a urine infection is, is a direct contributor to people dying in care homes. So people have incontinence diapers and the problem is they, they start to feel uncomfortable but they don't tell the staff because they may have dementia or Alzheimer's or just older people are so proud. They don't tell people that they're feeling sick. And so what Essity have done, and this product's available, you can buy it, there is a, a small uh, a wafer in between the paper of the diaper that measures the chemical constituents of the urine and basically does an alert that says, this person is exhibiting early signs of a urine infection so that they can actually get tablets to them, antibiotics or a doctor to them before either A, they know they've got an infection or B, the infection takes hold. Net effect is people live longer and when people live longer, the business case is the care home collects more fees. Of course, from a relative's point of view, it means you can access data via the app and you know check that your relatives are healthy. But you know the adult incontinence market is is actually a billion dollars a year market. And so I mean, there's a great example. And in, in my case, my mother was in a care home when she was alive and with dementia, and she wore an adult uh, nappy. And I, I wish the care home had had this product. But that's a wonderful way where IoT really does make a difference in the lives of people. And I think as an industry, uh, we, can, we talk a lot about you know, technology and standards and acronyms and software and hardware. But when you actually can you know, really bring it to life, and literally in this case, you know, extend the life of people through IoT, then we know that it's worth solving these complexity issues because we're actually making a real contribution to, to uh, society. So I, I'm actually going to pause there because I don't think we can beat that. I think whatever we say after that, we'll bring it down You're right. <laughs> for our listeners. Right. So that's the big inspirational finish. Uh, so let me do the wrap up. First of all, thank you so much for being inaugural guest of the uh, podcast. I really um, appreciate it. And for our listeners, please tune in again. We're going to be having a series of these, very regular series of these podcasts. We're going to be looking at different elements of IoT and we'll mix it up with some vision, as we have here, uh, some practical advice and some case studies of where we've seen that IoT uh, is really making a difference. And we hope it becomes a, a place to go 
a destination for uh, people to get the advice and the insight they need to navigate through this world of IoT. Because as Andreas said right at the beginning, the 50 billion things wasn't wrong. It was the timing that was wrong. We will get there. And, and, the, and, the, and uh, if we can share advice and tips and hints on how to get there, then we hope that this podcast has been useful for everybody. So thanks again, Andreas, and to our listeners, I'll talk to you again on the next episode. Thanks, Nick. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to IoT Leaders, a podcast brought to you by SI. Our team delivers innovative global IoT cellular connectivity solutions that just work helping our customers deploy differentiated experiences and disrupt their markets. Learn more at si.com. You've been listening to IoT Leaders, featuring digitization leadership on the front lines of IoT. Our vision for this podcast is to be your guide to IoT and digital disruption, helping you to plot the right route to success. We hope today's lessons, stories, strategies, and insights have changed your vision of IoT. Let us know how we're doing by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and recommending us. Thanks for listening. Until next time.